When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. The force will be with you, always. I'm my number one fan. <laughs> This is indeed the business of film. I'm Simon Rose, discussing what's been happening at the UK box office with James Cameron Wilson. Welcome, James. So, Thank you, Simon. How is it looking? Last week, I think you said the box office increased massively thanks to the arrival of Top Gun Maverick, which you recommended quite strongly from what I recall. So how's that holding on? Yeah, well, it jumped the box office up by 191%. The previous weekend which mm. was much needed a much needed injection of adrenaline mm. um well inevitably there hasn't really been a big new film this week so it has gone down but not by much by 25.6 percent and needless to say the number one film is still top gun maverick depending on which well i, I tend to go by com score but one one avenue says it went down by only 8%, but I think, bearing in mind previews and all that, I, I mm. think 35% is probably more accurate, which is not bad considering how much it made mm. on its opening weekend. So it made, in its second weekend, £10.3 million. That's almost 8 million pounds more than the entire gross of Tom Cruise's previous box office topper in this territory, War of the Worlds. And think on this. Top Gun was the biggest grocer of 1986 with 8.5 million pounds, which in today's money would be the equivalent of 20.6 million pounds. Mm -hmm. So it's topped that figure by 10 million in its first two weekends, inflation adjusted. I, I it, it's staggering. I think. So what's, it's all, so what's the take now? The full take. The full take is now thirty point six million pounds, mm. which is more than the whole take of Top Gun back in nineteen eighty six. Mm -hmm. Makes you think. Well, and I have been hearing from people that's very good. I haven't had a chance to go and see it yet, but um, hope to before too long. But it is so cinematic. And if you're going to go to the cinema, you might as well see Top Gun Maverick. If you can see it at an IMAX, better still. Mm. And I think it's called The Power of the Multiplex and possibly positive word of mouth because people are talking about this film being great and it's so much better than the original, which, as you know, um, is not often the case with sequels unless it's Paddington 2. Um, yes, yes, okay. Or The Suicide Squad or The Godfather Part 2. Now, last week... You may recollect that you asked me what was the longest gap between an oh, original film I did, yes. and its sequel. 
Well, it all depends on your criteria. Right. But technically, Bambi was made in 1942, and Disney created a animated sequel, Bambi 2, 64 years later, which had a theatrical release in Argentina, but oh, elsewhere. Yeah, I, yes, I, I've never even heard of it. Had you before? Bambi 2, of course I've yes. heard of it. Okay, right. Um, but it's my job, and it went straight yeah. direct to video right. elsewhere in 2006. But if you were talking about a full, full range release, mm. global release at the cinema, then the biggest gap is the 36 years between Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Okay. Although uh, Snapping at the Hills would be coming to America, which was coming to America with the figure two instead of mm. the word yes. two, was a 33-year gap. So I've been doing my homework, Simon. Well, I'm very grateful. It's interesting. So, in fact, as you know, as we surmised last week, but weren't sure, um, given the exception of uh, Bambi Two, um, Top Gun <laughs> and Top Gun Maverick are sets a record. Well, yeah, it's breaking records gap. every which way. Yeah, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Good. Take a young lad. No, I, I shouldn't be right. so sexist. Take anybody. Right. Okay. Well, I might go I'm... myself if not. Okay. Thank you, James. Right. So I'm assuming that um, other films are not wanting to open in um, uh, while Top Gun is still ruining the roost. Is that the case? Pretty much. There's only been a couple of releases in the chart, but there's another biggie opening this coming weekend. Jurassic World Dominion, mm. which I have been looking. It's the Well, I know I, you love anything to do with dinosaurs. I know. Anything <laughs> I'm still a boy at heart. I know. Anyway, have, when I, you when you review the film, I have to sort of take off about ten percent of your enthusiasm because I know any of the Jurassic films you seem to like, even the ones that nobody else does. I'm not sure that's entirely true. Well, it's why okay, I'm over <laughs> a little bit, but I know your enthusiasm uh, knows no bounds. Well, I see it through the eyes of its intended audience, which mm. I've always tried to do as a film critic. And mm. if ideally, I would take somebody who's really into dinosaurs to sort of generate my own excitement yes 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 which i think you should do as a critic there's no point in going to a film that you're dreading yes because anybody who's willing to part with 15 quid isn't going to go into the cinema to see mm. a film they don't want to see so a yeah. film critic's job is wanting to see that film mm. i wish i well i did go into doctor strange in the multiverse of madness wanting to see it because i loved the first one and i thought the second one was pants it's gone down 16%. It was at number two last weekend. It's still at number two. It's now got a total of £40.3 million. We have a new film at number three, something I was really looking forward to, called mm. Men. And there are many surprising things about the film Men. And there are many wonderful things about it as well. In particular, I liked the absence of manipulative music, allowing the director, Alex Garland, to draw on a natural soundscape to creep under your fingernails. There is also a refreshing lack of exposition so that we don't really know what our protagonist, Harper Marlowe, does for a living. And I was dying to know. She, played by Jessie Buckley, has an apartment on the Thames right beside Tower Bridge, which must have cost a fortune 
However, there's nothing yes. to explain how she's so well healed. Yeah, we're just how the same as just the same as any American movie featuring students. They always live in these massive loft apartments. This is very true. Yeah. But they don't live often by Tower Bridge. And how is she going to afford to rent a country manor house in the Cotswolds for a fortnight? <laughs> Beggars belief. But being the work of Alex Garland, who is, of course, the novelist who turned mm. to film direction with the brilliant ex machina, there is some music when it is required. There is a haunting soprano on the soundtrack. And I was astonished to see in the closing credits that that very same soprano was none other than Jessie Buckley. Oh. Well, we know she can sing, don't we? Well, of but course, not, yes. But not that sort of singing. But yes. No, yeah. Um, so I'm really impressed. She, yes, she, she sings really well, and she does play the piano in this film. And the film starts brilliantly. A series of snapshots plunges into the middle of a drama where Harper Marlowe is staring out of her window at the Thames. She has a bloody nose, and then right in front of her, a man plunges past the window. Whatever has happened has obviously proved extremely traumatic. And we cut to Harper driving away from London and into the heart of the Cotswolds. She is taking two weeks off to take a step back and find her emotional equilibrium. At first, the countryside reaches out to extend a comforting hand. And one can sense all her worries dissipating the further from London she gets. Hmm. The quietly gently rolling hills, the lush green meadows, and the picture postcard villages are almost too good to be true, which, of course, may well prove the case. She then pulls up in front of a magnificent Elizabethan manor house, which she has rented for the duration, at some cost, obviously, and having sampled an apple from a tree on the lawn, Eve, I, I mean Harper, mm -hmm. knocks on the front door. And then the film stops dead in its tracks. She is met by the owner, Geoffrey, played by Rory Kinnear, like a caricature out of Little Britain, complete with barber jacket and funny teeth borrowed from Mark Rylance in Don't Look Up. It is such a jarring gear change that I never entirely recovered. She is then shown around the house, which is a character in itself, while Geoffrey makes inane attempts at being funny and reassuring telling her off for sampling his forbidden fruit, prompting a thematic link to the fall of man. And after this unfortunate and off-putting interlude, Harper decides to explore the local environs. And you can feel all her anxieties and fears melt away as she realises what a wonderful world surrounds her. Here, Alex Garland shows that he has as good an eye as he has for a turn of phrase on the written page. The trees and undergrowth are preternaturally green, the birdsong exceptionally animated, this green and pleasant land, a, a veritable garden of Eden. And Harper's reaction to such natural bounty is almost ecstatic. She then encounters an old railway track, and in a tunnel, she starts to play with her own echo. All this is unfolded with a combination of natural sound and choral music until suddenly the film makes another dramatic gear change. At the far end of the tunnel, a figure appears struggling to its feet. And although it's still far off, it breaks into a run towards Harper. 
And of course, she hightails it only to lose her bearings. It's as if the tunnel has served as some kind of portal, a portal from Eden into hell. Needless to say, as Rory Kinnear shares billing with Jesse Buckley on the poster, we have not seen the last of him yet, but his next manifestation is surprising to say the least. At least fans of Rory Kinnear should get their money's worth, let's say. Initially, I thought, hoped that Alex Garland's film might serve as a companion piece to Nicholas Rogue's masterly Don't Look Now. However, mm. what follows left me more in mind of Glenda Jackson finding herself trapped in the Morecambe and Wise sketch. <laughs> or a series of sketches. It's a beautiful, periodically intelligent film that, like Eve in the Garden of Eden, seriously loses its way. And it certainly isn't for the squeamish. And ultimately, I found it ludicrous. And I was so disappointed. I haven't seen Annihilation, which was Alex Garland's second film, which you can see with Natalie Port Portman on Netflix, which I'm now dying to see it because he's such a wonderful filmmaker. Hmm. But you read into it what you will, Simon. But I just found it, well, it's like a little Britain doing a misogyny sketch. <laughs> if it's not for the screamers, then it's probably not for me, James. But it, so it sounded quite intriguing. Ah, well, uh, we shall uh, take a breather before we look further down the box office chart sharing ideas about money this is share radio this is simon rose you're listening to the business film on share radio where james cameron wilson is taking us down the box office chart men uh, written and directed by alex garland with jesse buckley is number three on the chart so james let's uh, descend number four please we are descending, truly, when we get to Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which <laughs> I think, okay, it was half term, wasn't it, last? Yeah, it was half term. So it went up 62% from wow. sixth to fourth place with a total of £26.2 million. Okay. I would rather see men every weekend for the rest of the year than have to sit <laughs> through Sonic the Hedgehog 2 again. Number five, we've got the bad guys, which I really enjoyed, up 102% from the previous weekend, the strongest holdover of the chart, mm -hmm. with a total of 12.9 million. We have a new film at number six, Vikram, a very violent, nearly three-hour action thriller from India, which didn't come to, well, it may have come to my multiplex, I didn't notice it. Mm -hmm. Number seven, uh, seven you've got, we've got your favourite film of the year, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which dropped mightily from third place to number seven. Do you want to say anything about it, Simon? No, simply that opinions differ. Uh, and I, I could not think how to recommend it to people because I wouldn't know if they would enjoy it. But I went with a friend and we laughed considerably the whole way through once the premise unfurled. You have uh, found it um, insufferable, I think you said. It is definitely a yeast extract movie. Yes, I know absolutely. people loved it. And I know, well, certain newspapers on this side of the Atlantic were not so keen and sort of mm. were on my side. Uh, that's down 24% with a total of 3.85 million. At number eight, we have another great sequel, Downton Abbey, A New Era, which was at number four, down 35%, with a total of just over £14 million. And number nine, we've got the Bob's 
Burgers movie, which was at number five, down 45%, which I think is an acquired taste. And I think critics were surprised how much they enjoyed it. Now, even though it was half term, it didn't do very well. And it's now only made a total of 908,000 quid. But then, but as you pointed out, most people have no idea what Bob's Burgers is. Well, this is it. And people are expecting a, a, a children's film. And it's not really a children's film. It's for mm. more of an adult sensibility. Number 10, we've got The Lost City, which was at eight and has gone up 15%, with a total now of 10.5 million. So with very little to choose from, and I didn't really fa fancy driving all the way to London to see Vikram, I did have a look at Emergency on Amazon Prime. And I think the sign of a good film is that one is one that's not easy to review. And Carrie Williams' Emergency is essentially a commentary on racism in America. But unlike Get Out, which is an out-and-out -out horror film, or Mariana Diala's master, Ditto, it blurs the line between comedy and shock effect. Just like life, it is not 100% successful, but the multiple perspectives it sheds on the African-American experience is insightful and quite rare. The two lead characters could not be more different. Kunle comes from a happy, affluent background, whereas Sean is definitely more street and hedonistic. Sean seems pretty high for most of the film. Kunle, on the other hand, is determined to make the most of what he's got and is afraid to tell Sean that he's been actually been offered a place at Princeton. Nonetheless, both Sean and Kunle are young black men in a white institution and want to make their mark in their own separate ways. Sean's ambition is to become the first black student to complete the college's legendary tour, a feat entailing the attendance of seven frat parties in one night. And at first, emergency feels like a black National Lampoon's Animal House mm. or a male book smart, two best friends on a wild collegiate trip when we, the audience, have no idea what is going to happen next. And I think it's a testament to the actor Donald Elise Watkins that we care so much for Kunle, a straight A medical student who has forgotten to lock an iffy fridge that contains his cultures that are a part of his thesis. Initially, I was more worried about his cultures than I was with anything happening on screen because they meant so much to him. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, you know what a culture is. It's coming in a Petri dish. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after all, as Sean says at one point, Kunle is destined to become the Barack Obama of bacteria. Not only that, but Sean believes that one day he will end up with his own, his own Wikipedia page, like Simon Rose. For me, the first... Why are you looking puzzled? <laughs> God, I got one. Uh, yes, you, you have your own Wikipedia page. And that, then, was the idea of ultimate, ultimate right. success. For me, the first shot was when the two friends find themselves at the back of an English class, and the English professor is discussing the N-word, and she just doesn't refer to it as the N-word. She actually uses it again and again. Kunle and Sean are so taken aback that they don't know how to react, even in an academic context. But they are 
very angry. And as the film progresses, no spoilers here, we come to learn how frightening a broken taillight can be for a black citizen of the United States. Potentially, potentially a broken taillight is an mm. invitation to a fatal confrontation with the police. Carrie Williams, who is himself African-American, has directed Emergency from his own 2018 short, both of which versions are scripted by the Mexican-American scenarist K.D. Davila. And Williams patently knows the horrors of what can happen to a law-abiding black man, even when he's attempting to do the right thing. I will say that at the beginning of the film, Kunle finds the comatose body of a white girl on the floor of his friend Carlos's living room. Carlos, incidentally, is Latino, and that too is significant. Their immediate reaction is to help her if she is still alive, while Sean is frightened that they will be accused of a crime they didn't commit. Initially, emergency unfolds like a comedy of dichotomy, but freely switches between mood changes as the story gathers momentum. At times, one does feel the length, I will be honest. It probably would benefit from some judicious trimming, but its points are well made. And as it progressed, I found myself more and more invested in the awful predicament of this thwarted trio. It's well written, it's well played, and it is very, very timely. So unlike men, which just deteriorates, this mm. got better and I got more involved. It's always the way to go. Improve. And it's on Amazon Prime now. Okay, and that's called Emergency. Okay, James, um, what now? I so thought a we've got a little bit, yeah, we've got a little bit of time. So I thought I'd do something which I used to do, but we haven't done for a while. And that's look at the US box office, thanks mm -hmm. to Box Office magazine. And just look at uh, what's making a hell of a lot of money there in 2022. So th these are the figures up to this week of the films of this year. So mm -hmm. number one, we've got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which has made in the US $390 million. Wow. With Benedict so there'll, there'll obviously be a sequel to the sequel, right? Inevitably, indubitably. Yeah, yeah Benedict Cumberbatch, Chiwetel Ejiofor, mm -hmm. et al., at number one, we've got The Batman with 369 million. With that, that's with Robert Pattinson, mm. Colin Farrell, and Andy Serkis. Number three, already, Top Gun Maverick has already, in wow. 12 days, made $321 million. Spider Man No Way Home with Tom Holland and Benedict Cumberbatch again is at number four with 231 million. Now, I'm really sorry to say this, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2 <laughs> is at number five with the voices of Idris Elba as Knuckles and some lovely scenic shots of the Canadian Rockies. We've got Tom Holland back again in the chart at number six with Uncharted. At number seven, we've got The Lost City with 104 million, starring Sandra Bullock and Daniel Radcliffe as a surprising villain. Eight. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, with Eddie Redmayne and Jude Law, with 95 million. Number nine, The Bad Guys, 88 million, with the voices of Sam Rockwell and Richard Iowadi as the villain. And at number 10, we've got Sing 2, another cartoon, 
with the voices of Matthew McConaughey and Taron Edgerton. Now, there's one film that sticks out from the top 10, and that is Top Gun Maverick. Sticks out in what way? You mean because it's still well, no, no. making... A, a number of those are still playing. It's the only film in the top 10 that hasn't got a British actor in a leading part. Wow. Gracious. Just, just saying. That's extraordinary. Or, or is a villain or is a major yes, boss. Yeah, yeah. Well, James, thank you very much indeed. Sadly, we are out of time for this week, but James will be back with more Business of Film at the same time next week. Thank you very much, James. All my life, I've been waiting for someone, and when I find her, she's, she's a fish. You're tearing me apart! Why so serious, something?